0: God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing.
1: Welcome to the shores of Lake Norman here at the Off Access Paint Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina. He's Don Welch. I'm Tyler Burnett. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. I think we've actually made it to
2: number ten. Double digits. Look at us go. We're up to number ten. Yeah. Damn. Johnny Benson episode.
1: We are. Uh, <laughs> we're right there. The Dan Patrick episode.
2: Okay. We're not.
1: <laughs> let's go with. Let's go with JB. We begin episode ten with massive breaking news get the breaking news bed ready get it ready massive breaking news on the flow racing front as today we have announced we have acquired the streaming rights to the biggest dirt race in all of the entire world dylan welch the chili bowl midget nationals
2: how about that it's uh that is big news it's awesome it's uh as if you needed one more reason to have a Flow Racing subscription, so now for 150 bucks a year, right? Yes, you can get every single USAC race, every single All-Star Circuit of Champions race, tons of other content, and the Chili Bowl,
1: all of Eldora's crown jewels besides the King's Royal. I mean, that's, that's, that's the outlaw. I, I mean, but both late model races. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a hell of a deal. Well, and also the Tulsa Shootout. Yeah, the Shootout. Yeah. And that's the, what I'm gonna be the at the ASCS national tour. Yeah. Watching the shootout. So that's awesome. all of that combined into one yearly subscription of $150. Dylan, the week of the chili bowl costs more than $150. Most of the yeah, time I
2: say, yeah. I mean, normally when you want to watch it, you're at, you know, 40 bucks a night or something. It's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's congratulations. To everybody at flow. It's a, uh, it's a huge, huge deal, a huge grab for them, obviously, Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I I wish, uh, wish I was going to be able to watch on flow, but I'll watch the shootout on flow for sure. It's, that's, uh, it's really cool.
1: What an accomplishment. Um, the reason why, and and if you are watching the show and you are say a drag racing fan or a late model fan or a modified fan, if you're a late model modified fan, you probably know about the chili bowl, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're a dirt racing fan, you know, it's the biggest dirt race, especially in the winter. I mean, it's the only dirt race in the winter, but to me, it ranks up there with the Knoxville Nationals. It's 1-2 uh, between the Knoxville Nationals and the Chili Bowl. It's, it's easily 1-2. Um, I've been to both. The atmosphere at the Chili Bowl is better, in my opinion. The party is better. Um, it's just cooler. I mean, there's 300 midgets in a building. Yeah. like And, and it's the largest freestanding building in the entire – what is it, the country or the world? I think it might be the country. I think it's the country.
2: Yeah, one. Um, but it is one of the biggest in the world, too.
1: And I wrote some things down, and we can kind of just discuss some of the reasons why the Chili Bowl is so big. Number one, um, over the years, the heartbreak. And specifically, Kyle Larson. <laughs> right? Uh, before Kyle Larson won the main event last year, you know, his first Golden Driller, beating Christopher Bell finally, he had tried so hard to win in that building. He won a bunch of prelim nights. He, you know... Essentially conquered it the year before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was one corner away. Was it was a one corner one lap? I, mean, I think he might have got past him one, one lap. and two. Yeah, one lap. Yeah. But just we have seen so much heartbreak in that building, Dilling, and and including Kyle Larson. But there's others too who have chased that race for so long.
2: Yeah, and, and and you have that at Knoxville too, right? But but I agree. I mean, I've been to both as well, and and the Chili Bowl is just so everything is just so heightened. You know, even, even, and, and I've never raced in the Knoxville national, so I'm sure it's different. You know, I'm sure there's still that sense of anticipation as a competitor, but there is no moment in my entire life that I have been more nervous and it happens every year than when you're on that ramp, getting ready to roll onto the track for your heat race at the chili bowl, because it literally sets the tone for the entire week. Because if you go out there and you have a great heat race, you know, the rest of your night on your prelim night, you know probably is is fairly straightforward and and pretty simple if you have a bad heat race you're gonna probably take yourself out of contention to do anything the rest of the week and then you've got to sit there you know if you run early in the week you got to sit there all week and think about it or even if you're at the end of the week you know you've you've built up this anticipation and prepared for this one race all year and it gets thrown away potentially in one eight lap heat race so there's nothing like um, there's nothing like it in the world. You know, I mean, and we don't have to explain it to anybody that's been there, but the people that haven't been there, uh, even the crowd, the crowd feels that they feed off that energy. The drivers feed off of the crowd energy. It, it's uh, it's amazing.
1: And the cool opportunity for Flow about streaming it this year is that there will only be 25% capacity in the building, so the majority, the other 75% who's going to be there, is going to watch it online. Right. Um, you every year, Dylan, this is your race. Like mm-hmm. this is what you race for like the rest of the year you know your part-time schedule whether you run the bc39 which of course got canceled this year uh you're going to go out west and race here you know the next week you are literally just testing and tuning yeah for that saturday a main that you were one spot away from making last year in a heartbreak
2: yeah no it, it, you're absolutely right i mean it's and it's a big race for everybody right i mean even guys that race 100 times a year but you know, for me, the last, uh, I mean, the last shoot eight or nine years that I've run it, basically, every race that I've run through the summer or into the fall has been just to get myself seat time so that when I show up to Chili Bowl on Monday practice, I'm not, you know, in the car for the first time in a year. So uh, it is. I mean, it's, and, and I was so, so glad that we were going to have the chance to race, you know, this coming year in 2021, that it was it was still happening. You know, we're going to miss uh, you know, miss the 75% of the other fans that normally are there because that event like the Knoxville nationals is so driven by the fan energy. Um, so it's going to be different, you know, not having a, a packed grandstand, you know, especially on Saturday night. Um, but just, just glad it's happening. Cause you know, for me and, and so many other people, this race, it's everything, you know, it means so much to so many people. And, um, you know, I'm just thankful for, for a chance to get to race in it again.
1: Christopher Bell has described it as his biggest win of his lifetime, and he's won it three times. Kevin Swindell won four in a row. Um, he dominated in that building, and I think he said this week that the banners speak for themselves. You mm-hmm. know, like It's so, so hard to win. It's one of the hardest races to win in the entire world, just ask Larson. He's been in trouble so many times with the NASCAR media <laughs> and with NASCAR by saying, the Chili Bowl is the number one race in the entire world, and it was his biggest win of his career. He's won. I think he even compared it to the Daytona 500, saying the Chili Bowl is harder yeah. to win than the Daytona 500 because there are 300 cars. If one thing goes wrong on your prelim night, you are screwed for the yeah. rest of the weekend.
2: Well, and I think that's what makes it so so unique is that, you know, unlike Knoxville, you don't have the, the carryover from guys from all different disciplines. You don't have guys from – you know, Modifieds or Late Models or or NASCAR just jumping in a car to go run Knoxville. But they do that at the Chili Bowl. You've got the best guys literally from every single type of discipline of racing. We had IndyCar guys racing in it last year. So that's what makes the Chili Bowl so unique and so special is that if you run well at that, you don't even have to win. If you run well, if you make the A main or shoot even the B main in that event, I mean, you are literally – you know, for a year, have every single right to say that you're one of the best race car drivers in the country mm-hmm. because of, just because of the level of competition and the level of skill of the guys that run up front at that event. So, um, you know, I think that's you know why you hear those guys talk about that so much is not because it's devaluing the Daytona 500 or whatever, but it's because they appreciate so much how difficult that race is, uh, you know, and, and then the fact that they're able to win and, and beat 360 other guys. Uh, i think speaks for itself
1: one of the other cool aspects of it is there are some spectacular crashes um you they have the flip count which ross yeah. weiss uh you know tap you know keeps a tally of <laughs> uh-huh. or or brian holbert whoever's in the in the booth um you know keeps a town ta- you know a, a tally of the the flip count here at the chili bowl we have seen some spectacular crashes over the year and and, and what is interesting is that It's right in front of you. I Mm. mean, you can't miss it because it's such a small, you know, area or a racetrack. I I remember my first Chili Bowl, Tracy Hines literally got higher than the video board. He like, I don't know how it happened, but that car was so high up. Like, you see some amazing crashes.
2: Which is really crazy because you're not going that fast. No. You're right. I mean, there are some big crashes there every year. I mean, guys you know, that flip all the way down the straightaway, just end over end, or, you know, it's, I mean, there's some hard crashes there. Um, But I mean, it's, you know, it's the thing. It, it has everything. I mean, it's great racing. It's, you know, it's fast enough that there is that element of, of you know, suspense and danger that, you know, it is easy to turn over. You can hit the burn the wrong way and, you know, turn over. I mean, there's, there's so many things that, you know, when you're actually on the racetrack, make it. Uh, make it that much more challenging and exciting that it just adds to all of that all of the stuff that we've just mentioned
1: and also the drama uh you see fights you know everyone is fighting for every position yeah. because with 300 cars in the building and 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 here's the thing like larson and bell and all those guys will be on separate prelim nights so they're basically just trying to get through the chaos to win their prelim and get locked into the feature on saturday but we have seen so many spectacular drama-filled moments over the years at the Chili Bowl. I, I remember one of the first times I went there, Chris Wyndham smacked Aaron Reitzel on the helmet as he was coming uh-huh. up the ramp off the track. Yep. Like, you see just some crazy stuff. You see some crazy fights, and something always happens every year that's just worth watching.
2: Yeah, well, and, and like you talked about, I mean, there's so much buildup and hype and excitement leading into this event that everybody wants to run well. And inevitably, you know, somebody is not going to run well. Somebody's going to get collected in something that you know derails their entire effort. And so it's just such a deflating feeling when that happens. That if you have somebody to take out that frustration on, you know, you're going to do it nine times out of ten. So, um, but I mean, that's the thing. You know, is is I think I don't even remember who it was that I heard say this, but it's like you don't you don't necessarily need to have good luck at the chili bowl. You just can't have bad luck. You know, you just gotta you got to just get through you know, your prelim night. Okay. And then, you know, from there, you know, it's, it's, it's who knows on Saturday, but that's the thing is, is literally one little thing can go wrong. You know, you can get, you know, collect, somebody could crash in front of you and you could just stop, you know, trying to not hit them and have to go to the back of your heat race and not make your way forward. And it, it literally can ruin your whole week. You know you have to crash, you know, it just something like that can happen and it can just, you know, send everything haywire. So, um, that's why you see that the passion, the desperation, because, uh, one spot on the track can be the difference from making your prelim night on Saturday and, uh, or making your prelim night feature. Uh, and then potentially, you know, locking yourself into the show on Saturday or being buried in an E main or an F main on Saturday. So, uh, it's crazy just how important, you know, every time you're on the track is
1: F main is actually pretty, pretty good. I woke up, uh, the, my first chili bowl at 8 AM to see JJ Yaley run in the n main yes the n main because he crashed in the c main on his prelim night uh-huh. and that'll put you back there very far and i think he i think he ended up getting up to close to the f like yeah,
2: he he ran most and of the day. that's
1: a matter of race pull off put fuel in go back out yeah don't sh- get you're out your literally car. just turn it around like if you get to the top of the ramp you might as well even go to the top of the ramp just go to the end and turn back around and tag the back of the main and try to get to the front it's it is wild, and if you watch this race on Flow on Saturday, like you can literally wake up at eight a.m. Eastern, yeah. and watch every single main back to back to back to back, and it's just something you will never see in dirt racing.
2: Which you really, if you really should do. I mean, I don't know why if you're a race fan you wouldn't just turn it on and just have it on anyways. But uh, you know, wake up in the morning, get your favorite you know beverage or spiked coffee or what, regular coffee or whatever you're drinking on Saturday morning, you know, and <laughs> and put yourself down in front of the TV and and. Watch the alphabet suit because you'll see some crazy racing. I mean, you know, sometimes those lower mains, they're a little bit dicey, you know, with some (laughs) of the, you know, moves you see, but, um, you know, you'll be entertained at least. But then, you know, I mean, there's always, it seems like some year, you know, every year there's some guy that runs, you know, two, three, four, five races, you know, from, you know, starting at 8 a.m. to, you know, races into the afternoon. And it's, it's exciting because you start to cheer for that guy. You start to just pull for him just for the excitement and the drama of, okay, can he make it to this next race? Can he make it one more? And, and uh, that's part of the fun of, of Saturday at the Chili Bowl is there's always somebody or, or two guys, you know, that they get linked up and just kind of carve through the field together and, and try and run the alphabet.
1: There is number one – the number one reason why this is the greatest dirt track race in all of the world is the Prestige. That golden driller means more than anything in racing, in my opinion, especially dirt racing. Um, And, and you know, the race really doesn't even pay that much, Dylan Welch. It's just beating 300 people in that building, beating Kyle Larson, beating Christopher Bell, you know, finally making it to the top of the pinnacle of midget racing at the Chili Bowl. The prestige is the number one reason why it's the greatest dirt track event ever.
2: Yeah, I mean that the money I don't even think matters. I mean that race could pay five hundred dollars to win, and there'd yep. probably still be three hundred sixty cars there. Um, but yeah, I mean no, you're hundred percent right. I mean it's again it's it's all that stuff we just mentioned the the luck that you have to have, the skill that you have to have to put yourself in a good spot to, you know, even make the race on Saturday. Uh, all of those things that go into making that race what it is makes it that much more rewarding when you have success. So um you know i i know for me i mean it's you know it's something where when i go to the chili bowl and, and if i have a good week you know i'm on that high for a long time you know usually until i get in the car next and, and suck uh you know <laughs> then i come back down to cloud 9 but you know and it's the same way in 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 the inverse you know if you go out there and you have a bad week or in our case you know you miss the show by one spot uh that stings and it sticks with you for you know for a year you know i mean that's that's the biggest reason why i wanted to to run again this coming year was because we were so close uh, that it, it just it hurts so bad to be that close and, and not get it done. So I you know want a little bit of uh, you know revenge on the event and, and you know to go back and have a shot to to put it in the show this time. So uh, and there's no other event you know no other no other event that I race that you know has that kind of weight you know that you carry with you good or bad you know you know for as long as you carry it. So it's one of a kind. There's no doubt.
1: Thirty fifth Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals on Flow Racing beginning january 11th through the 16th check out the best to ever do it in midget racing they're going to be racing you know the christopher bells the kyle larsons the rico abrews um they'll all be there tanner thorson justin grant has won some prelim nights those guys are some of the favorites the heavy hitters going into this event it's a must see and of course uh nine days before that the tulsa shootout you need to check out uh the biggest micro race event uh there is as well and some of those cars you you actually race the micro at Millbridge. So, you know yeah. how hard those cars are uh, to drive and you'll see those race at the Expo Center as well. The same racetrack as the Chili Bowl 9 days before. That's all on Flow Racing. Tremendous. I'm so excited about that. Um that's that's big for Flow. Yeah, really big. Yep. That's that's uh that's huge. Um so you're going racing this week. Uh tell us about it. What's going on?
2: Yeah, so we uh, I go to Sebring or uh Sebring as Sebring uh, is one of our colleagues refers to it as uh for the IMSA race this weekend and then come back on Sunday and and leave uh you know early next week to go to California to race Bakersfield and uh was supposed to race Placerville Hangtown 100 that's been uh canceled due to uh COVID related nonsense I think the governor said Uh, something about they couldn't have any fans or something so that's uh that's been scrapped and so we're going to go run uh two nights at Merced with the USAC National Midgets so um yeah looking forward to the the opportunity to race and and thankful to uh, our friend and, and one of my longest supporters, Steve Gilmore, from, uh, from California, Formula 3 Fitness and, and Leisure Sports Hospitality, his brand, uh, and Club Sport, which was on my car for a long time as well. Um, he's supported me for 10 years, and uh, it's always awesome to have him out there. Um, don't think he's going to be able to come to the races this year, obviously, but uh, just great to have him on the car, obviously. And uh, it's, a, it's a high-end fitness resort uh, on the West Coast, California, Oregon. Um, and and we're always thrilled and excited to have him on the car. And the car's got the same look on it as it had at Chili Bowl, which is one of my favorite designs, you know, I think ever on a midget. I love how that car looks. So we're going to have those uh, those colors again on for the West Coast races. So I'm uh, super appreciative of Steve and and everything he's done for my career, and and of course for you know Chad Boat for fielding a car for me again this year. And excited to go out there and. Uh, And kind of close the year out, uh, the calendar year out with uh, with some fun races.
1: Did you also get some help from Sun Dollar Restoration? We did. Yep.
2: I would be remiss if I if I didn't mention them as well. They've uh, been a great partner to us this year. Sponsored me when we went to Pennsylvania, um, and then they've jumped on board again for for the California trip as well. So uh, I know we have some Indiana folks watching. You know, for your uh, your home. Uh, exterior needs you know new roofing siding on your house I mean all of that sort of exterior contracting stuff uh, hit up Sun Dollar they uh, obviously support racing you've seen him on Zeb Wise's car uh, you know for the last couple of years and uh, and they're jumping on with us here for the west coast swing as well so great people making uh, making it happen for us and uh, super appreciative to, to all of them
1: the Dylan Welch left coast fan club is coming out oh, so. boy,
2: get ready yeah here uh... we go
1: He's hitting the West Coast and ready to race some midgets. Is uh, Is Hannah going with you?
2: She is. Yep. She uh, is Janet. Janet is not. She's oh. staying at home with uh, with our roommate. But yeah, Hannah will be there. Uh, not for Bakersfield, but she's flying out for uh, for Merced, and then we're going to Idaho for Thanksgiving. So it'll be a be a fun little trip. Little
1: family family trip to the Thanksgiving house, huh? Yep. yep. Uh, Charlotte was a mess. I went there uh, this past week for the last call. Uh, that is. Pr- Probably the dustiest I've ever seen a racetrack in my entire life. Yeah, that's saying something coming from Ohio. Um, I think what makes it worse is it's red. Yeah. So like when the clay, you know, the red clay gets up into the air, like it literally just becomes a wall. Like you should have seen this shit. Like Oh, I saw it. It like as soon as the cars went green, you couldn't see the cars on the track anymore. Yeah. It's like a red wave coming at you. It was just incredible they put some new clay down at charlotte so we'll give them a little you know a little break there you know they had to rework in some new clay and the late model race wasn't nearly as bad as the sprint cars i don't know if it's because the tire spin is a little bit better you know higher on a sprint car i don't know yeah it might be but uh it was really freaking dusty you couldn't see anything all the footage we got was just like yeah you might as well just throw it in the garbage (laughs) uh chase briscoe is on anderson 410 this week you really need to check out that episode uh, it's really, really good. Briscoe six years ago, Dylan was running like six to seven sprint car races a year, and that's it. Yeah, barely racing, and now he's going to the NASCAR Cup Series with Tony Stewart in the 14 car, one of the most iconic cars in the you know in the sport. It's like that's such a quick turnaround. He, he came down here to Charlotte, lived on Ross Wiese's couch, you know, volunteered in Arca shops by like sweeping out the shops for free, basically. Yep got a test, you know, with Cunningham, won a championship for them, and just kind of climbed the ladder from there. Yeah,
2: no, it's – I mean, you hear you hear that story all the time of, like, you know, the hard work gets you to this level and, you know, how we don't have anybody, you know, earning their way anymore. And Chase is the epitome of that. I mean, literally bet on himself, moved down here with nothing, and uh, and now he's, you know, he's going cup racing for, for the boss man. So um, pretty cool. You know, it's awesome, obviously – uh, as Midwesterners and myself as a Hoosier and chase as a fellow Hoosier, you know, it's super cool to see, uh, you know, somebody like him, you know, the most humble guy you'll ever meet in your life, you know, and and appreciates every opportunity he's been given. So, um, super excited to watch him next year and and see what he can do.
1: All right, let's get our hat shakes of the week here on flow racing and the loud pedal podcast. David gravel won the first night of the last call sprint car portion while Logan Schuhart won the final race of the world of outlaw season. Um, like I said, i never seen a track so dusty in my life. It was crazy. And the, the crazy part about that is that the lighting there is, like, the best lighting in the country. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it had to have been terrible <laughs> to see. But, uh, no, I mean, I shouldn't keep talking crap about him. It was interesting race. You know, Shehart did a good job the final night, and Gravel just kicked their ass uh, the first night of the last call. Um, I think we mentioned last week Brandon Overton won the first night of the Late Models last call event and then while well, Tim McCready won the final World of Outlaws Late Model Series event for the season. All right, here we go, Dylan. I don't know if you watched any of these races on flow. Joseph Joyner won the National 100 at the East Alabama Motor Speedway in a wild last lap. I just I just showed you that, yeah, actually, you the last lap. It was crazy. Uh, two cars got together. Then the one guy looked like he was going on to win, Then Joyner just came under him. I, think, I don't know if the other guy blew a tire or what, but joiner ended up winning the announcer is going crazy <laughs> um they hit another octave there but uh joseph joiner won the national 100 congratulations mike uh wow i don't even know how, i don't know if i can know how to pronounce this mike mareska mareska that's like doing the cold read live on air here <laughs> mike mareska won uh the high banks 50 at bridgeport congratulations to him in a modified race Hayden Martin won the first race of the USCS Flip-Flop 50. So he won the flip portion. The flop portion was won by Derek Hagar uh from ninth to the to the win. So uh congratulations to Hayden
2: Martin and Darren Derek Hagar. All right, who's your hat shakes this week? Can I give my uh my hat shakes to Well, I think I gave one to USAC last week, didn't I? Who, who did I give my hat shake to? I forget who you gave no, it I to. No, I think it. I gave it to Keith and and in oh, yeah. uh, the Millbridge. Milbridge, yeah. I was going to I was going to give mine to um, all these boys going out West and, and battling for a midget championship. I was going to give a, a future hat shake and a good luck hat shake to, uh, to everybody that's, that's kind of embarking on the West coast swing to, to finish out the year. So it's been uh, it's obviously been a crazy year for everybody. And, and, you know, USAC and, and dirt racing as a whole is no exception. So uh, the outlaws finished their deal. The all-stars finished their deal. It's USAC's turn now to go out there and, and uh, finish the season. They've got a great midget points battle on their hands with, uh, with Tyler Courtney and Chris Windham. So, uh, I'll give a, uh, a good luck hat shake, if you will, to, uh, to all those boys going out there and, and duking it out for the last few times this year.
1: Can you do that? That's cheating. I don't know. Is right? it right? I don't know. You can do that. I'm also going to give mine to, uh, some series and I'm going to give my, okay. So my hat shake is going to go to dirt racing as a whole, right? Okay. Uh, just for the fact that they got the majority of the races in this season, Uh, During a global pandemic uh, the likes that we will probably never see again. Hopefully Hopefully. in our lifetime um, Just you know, the circumstances were something that no one has ever done ever right like When's the last time we had a global pandemic in the nineteen (laughs) hundreds? I don't know I wasn't around (laughs) Yeah, we'd be old as dirt if we uh, were around in the nineteen hundreds, but Yeah, it just hasn't been done. So The All-Stars, The Outlaws, USAC, ASCS, Lucas Oil Late Model Series, all the other touring series, and the tracks. A job well done on making the 2020 season possible and not giving up on uh, what is, you know, a crazy, crazy year that we will never see again, hopefully. Hopefully 2020 just becomes like a verb or an adjective. Yeah,
2: and it just goes by the wayside, and we never have to do this again. I agree. I'm uh, I'm all for being done with 2020 and uh, and starting things fresh in Tulsa in 2021. So a hat shake to you boys. Stick around. Masitos next.
1: Welcome back to the Loud Pedal Podcast here on Flow Racing. We're now joined by Carson Macedo. How you been, Bud? How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
1: Doing great. It's good to see you. Are you back in Cali? Are you did you did you arrive uh, back to California?
0: Yeah, I just actually got back here on uh, on Monday uh, Monday night, and uh, yeah, just getting everything ready for this weekend. We actually were uh, originally planning on going to Arizona to run the. Uh, the two USAC midget races down in, down in that area. But uh, we actually are going to go, there's a local track here, Hanford, that we're going to go to this weekend. They're running uh, wing 360s. And um, so we're just getting prepared for that. They're paying a little bit more money. And uh, you know, Peter Murphy's promoting that racetrack now, and we want to uh, do our best to support him. So um, we're, we're looking forward to that and, um, getting everything ready here at the shop.
2: Well, speaking Sweet. of the, yeah, speaking of the midget, you, uh, you're coming off a pretty good weekend. I guess that was a couple weekends ago now with the, the sprint car and the midget at the, the Tom Tarleton classic. That was a, uh, that was a nice little payday for you.
0: Yeah, man. It was, it was really cool. Um, you know, the first annual Tom Tarleton classic, it was pretty cool to go there and, and win both races, uh, like that, especially, um, the sprint car division, uh, one second. I mean, I don't know if you guys can hear him in the background. Let me move here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was pretty cool to be able to win both divisions. Um. The midget division special to me because we haven't, you know, really got to run our midget that often. Um. So, uh, to run that and and to win that was uh, really cool. So. Uh, the Tarleton family you know is pretty new to the midget racing game uh, they haven't owned a midget very long so we've only been able to run a handful of races and actually before that race um, you know touch base with Justin Insley on a few things and we actually had some things fundamentally just wrong with our race car that we didn't realize were were wrong and we ended up you know getting those things fixed and uh, yeah it was fun that the car was way better than it has been and uh, a lot more like the midget that I ran in Australia with, with Sean Dyson so I had a lot of fun with that and um you know obviously the sprint car division was was really cool to win to it paid a lot a lot more money so um that was uh really cool for Paul Baines and he's the crew chief here. He's been the crew chief here for a long time and myself and um for the Tarleton family, you know, they've put a lot of hard, you know, effort, work and money into uh into Charlton racing and and building nice fast race cars. And so to get a couple of wins for him was pretty special, especially you know with the midget deal leading into all these west coast races i know we're not going to arizona now but uh you know we are going to all the other races that are here scheduled on the west coast so i'm looking forward to that
1: have you been what you've been with tom since the start of it right like since you're like 15 years old or something is that when you got in your first car
0: yeah so um you know originally i raced micros for my dad um uh, not just just until i was like 13 or 14 years old and then i actually drove for a a guy named Kyle Evans for a, a year or so and then um yeah, I started driving a sprint car for Tom Tarleton when I was sixteen. So yeah, if it wasn't for them really, if it wasn't for the Tarleton family, Tom and Tommy and and, and that group, I, I would probably, you know, never be a sprint car driver. You just don't see it very often nowadays, um, you know, a, a sprint car team, especially of this caliper, uh, to just up and put a you know, young 16-year-old kid in their race car, right out of Micros, and and give them that kind of shot. You know, I went through a lot of, a lot of wrecking equipment, um, and and not finishing well, and and just growing pains. You know, in the beginning, and so, um, it feels really good now to uh, you know, be able to come back here, you know, often as as often as I can anyway, and, and and compete and do well for them.
2: Well, and you just finished obviously your World of Outlaw season. You were here in Charlotte uh this past weekend and and ended your your tenure with kyle larson racing uh just talk about that i mean i know you you and kyle obviously have a a good relationship and a good friendship but uh kind of in that same vein to what you were talking about you know he uh you know he looked at you as as somebody who kind of needed a shot to go full-time outlaw racing and and gave you that that real opportunity so um just kind of reflect on your time with with kyle and, and getting the chance to drive for him if you can
0: yes so um you know I was driving for Joe Gertie there in Ohio we had ran uh, basically a season I moved out to the Midwest I had raced a sprint car for you know th- three or four years out in California moved out to the Midwest ran a year for Keith Coons and ran a very limited you know schedule there with the Sprint car in Ohio I ran for Joe Gertie the next year we we just ran a short 40 race you know hit or miss schedule everywhere and then we run the all-stars the following year um, and then uh, basically, in the middle of that season, we're at Ohio Speed Week, and you know, I approached Kyle because I, originally, you know, the world of Outlaws just was so it seemed so solid at that point. Like there wasn't a whole lot of moving around. I didn't see a whole lot of opportunity for, you know, drivers getting out of rides or or being let go from rides. So, um, you know, I was trying to make my own opportunity at that point. Um, you know, Joe Gertie had didn't have a job. Um, he was looking for an opportunity as well. And I saw him, you know, as being my mechanic and kind of my guy at that point. And so, you know, I went to Kyle and Paul Silva to talk about buying their rig. They had a featherlight for sale. Uh, and I was just basically going to put together a small team like Sheldon did back when he ran the 93 on the Outlaw Tour. And, you know, it just, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, it it just ended up working out that Kyle was like, hey, you know, what do you think about, you know, I'm looking to make a change. What do you think about bringing your partners that you're, you know, trying to start this team with over to, over to my team? And, you know, we, we built something together and, and man, it was just a great opportunity, not only for me, but for, for the sponsors that are, were wanting to be involved with my racing, um, for Tarleton's for, for complete parts for Sean Dyson. Um, and just even, the you know, there was a lot of other little sponsors that came, that got involved as well. So, Uh, you know Kyle hired me to run the two car and man that was a super special super special deal for me because you know a lot of I think there's a lot of young kids that grow up wanting to be you know a NASCAR driver or F1 or all these other disciplines Um, but you know all I ever really wanted to be was a world of outlaw sprint car driver and and not just be a sprint car driver but you know compete at that level win races compete for championships one day and and all that good stuff, um, you know, I looked up to, you know, all these car drivers that were in this area, Tim Cating and, and then Tommy Tarleton, Jason Myers, and all these guys I got to watch. And I wanted to be just like them. So um, to get that opportunity and not only just that opportunity, but drive for Kyle Larson Racing. I mean, you know, honestly, there's probably five or six really, really competitive, well-funded um, and well-backed teams on the Outlaw Tour. And I got to drive for one. You know basically right out of the box um mm-hmm. the first opportunity so like you said i was able to grow a pretty a pretty cool relationship with kyle um you know we became really good buddies we're pretty close to the same age i'm 24 um and he's i think 28 uh so you know what it's funny because a lot of the times we we're hanging out and i just i i didn't even see him as my you know it's weird but i, I did i mean i seen him as my boss but at the same time mm-hmm. he's just like my friend that we could mm-hmm. hang out and it's 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 weird to think that he's your boss when you're when you're playing golf together all the time and hanging out at the house and and cooking on the Traeger and just doing fun things that we you know we do around the shop so um you know I had a lot of fun the two years that I was at Kyle Larson Racing. I feel like we accomplished a lot of really good things my rookie year we, we were able to win races um finished decent in the points and then this past year you know it was really just a uh just a a whirlwind of a year. We, we won that local show at Williams Grove, which for me, you know, this passion on the outlaw tour was really different because we didn't get to go to, I feel like a lot of the places where I excelled, which probably was a blessing, um, to be honest, you know, I, it forced me, like we raced way more in Pennsylvania. Um, we raced way more in parts of the country where I struggled last year. So I think that it forced me to get better in those parts of the countries. And I do feel like I have, um, but yeah. We, I mean, we left Knoxville, we ran fourth at Knoxville and then we were really close. I think we were like 70 points out of the points championship. And then towards the end of the year, you know, some stuff happened in our team, obviously everybody knows. And it seemed like kind of, we just couldn't, couldn't get it done anymore. Like we, we kind of fell apart a little bit, but we we're still able to put some good runs together and, and in on a good note. And, and like you said, I mean, I still have a really good relationship with Kyle, with Joe, Trey, Patrick, my crew guys and everything else. And, uh, yeah, although it sucks and it's an unfortunate situation that the team's shutting down i think everyone's gonna land on their feet um uh, just fine probably with wings um uh, you know in, in a better spot than they were so mm-hmm. um, i'm really happy and I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to next year with um, jason johnson racing phil deets and and bobby and you know all those all that group
1: you mentioned uh the golfing thing i actually had the opportunity to hang out with you yeah and your brother and, and Larson at uh, the Shawnee Country Club in Lima before the governor's reign, your brother can hit the ball a long damn ways. Uh, <laughs> Cole, Cole Macedo is your brother. Uh, you know He races yeah. in Ohio. I think he's actually going to race next year with the Linders, which is really cool. Um, but he can hit the ball a long-ass way. And it is, it is Masters week, so we can talk about golf this week, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, I think he got a little bit more of the talent on the golf side.
0: Oh man, you not a little bit. He's it's un- <laughs> so golf's like bittersweet for me because I'm the worst of the group when we go play. You know, like if it's Kyle, my brother, me, you know, and usually Spencer Basin or something like that. I'm I'm not a golfer, so um, yeah. I mean, I I can hit the ball down down the you know down the fairway a lot of the times, but it's usually not very far, and you know I usually shoot in the nineties. I'm trying to get better, man, but I just can't play enough. And I don't have the God gifted talent like my brother to hit it 350 yards or I don't know how far he hits it, but it's a long ass ways compared to my ball. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's little things like that, that I just really enjoy about being on the outlaw tour, being on the road to be able to do things like that. Like that day that we went out and you guys, you know, videoed all that stuff and we were able to play golf and hang out with Blake and yourself and, you know, had a lot of fun. So um, I think that's a lot of the part that people don't see about being on the road. that really is a lot of fun and, and, and is huge perks to all of it.
2: Are you planning, are you going to move to Missouri to be closer to the JJR shop or what's your plan there?
0: Man, I, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about that a little bit here lately. I think JJR has a team house um, and I need to really kind of touch base with them. Uh, when I was basically on the road with Kyle, I rode around with the team a lot. Um, I just was, You know on the road with the team a lot so we were just kind of hotel to hotel and then he had living quarters inside of the shop area um so a lot of the times if we were in in that in that more you know mooresville north carolina area i would just stay there uh but now i plan on flying home a little bit more next year um i just think here to california um i just think it's important to get away a little bit um i think it's important for myself as a driver and for the team And just just to clear your mind a little bit and stay in a little bit more of a routine. So I'll probably fly home a little bit more often than I did in the past. Not not a crazy amount, but, um, you know, a decent amount uh, just to get away a little bit and kind of recharge the batteries.
1: This past year was your second full time year with the World of Outlaws uh, Sprint Car Series. Um, how quickly is the learning curve when you jump in and start racing against guys like Donnie Schatz? I mean, to me, Donnie Schatz, you know, he's dominated for the past two decades, and I'm sure you've watched him, and, and you get to race with him, which is really, really cool. But just how quickly has the learning curve been for you in these past two years?
0: Yeah, so I, I say this to everybody. The world of Outlaws is is so tough. And, like, I I don't think people realize as a whole – So competing with the outlaws in my opinion is not i shouldn't say not tough but it's a lot easier when you're in your comfort zone you're in racetrack you're on racetracks that you compete well at or you know in the past have competed well at you know like uh, a good example i tell everybody this my first year i remember we started out the year in volusia and for whatever reason i had never been down to florida but our we were extremely good um we, we, we went to Florida. We finished in the top 10 every night. I think one night we finished in the top five um, made the dash every single night. My car was extremely fast and qualifying. didn't matter when I went out. It seemed like we were really good. So we left Florida with obviously some really good runs. Um, and then we went to, we were supposed to run Texas and I uh, th- yeah, I think two races in Texas, they both got rained out. We went to Vegas, did really well at Vegas um left vegas went to california and i mean california is where i'm from you know so their bull rings their there tracks that i grew up on and, and competed well I, I even when the outlaws would come to town i could run the 21 car and do pretty well at those races um so we, you know we, we we swung through california um left there went to devil's bowl um left devil's i won in california in chico my my first race of the year um Left there, went to Devil's Bowl, ran really strong at Devil's Bowl, left Devil's Bowl, went to Eldora, I think, or maybe Jacksonville. I think I sat on the front row at Jacksonville, and it got rained out. And then we went to Eldora. And Eldora is a place where, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but uh, myself and Joe Gertie, it seemed like no matter how bad the wheels fell off on the Outlaw Tour, like if we would get, you know, lost or – we weren't running good, or whatever the case might be. We go to Eldora and run in the top five. Like we, we'd always qualify good there and run good there. Um, so we went to Eldora. We were in the top five both nights. Um, did really well, and then and I remember leaving Eldora and getting in the truck with Trey, uh, my my car chief at the time, and I remember telling him, man, like we were. Th- third in points I think or fourth in points and I mean like we were close like was it within 50 points or something like that of being in the lead and I remember telling him man I think we can run on the podium our first year like we are extremely good and I'm really really confident in our team right now you know like and he was like man I agree like we're we're and we just thought we had it all figured out man and then it was like (laughs) we went straight from Eldora to to learn to um Lernerville and and um and Lincoln Pennsylvania and then we did two nights at the Grove and I remember we left we left Pennsylvania like seventh in points just (laughs) absolute wind out of our sails I mean terrible like we were so bad man we took a provisional We, we, we were two laps down I think at Lernerville we went a we took a provisional at Lincoln we went a lap down we barely scraped into the show, both nights at the Grove and ran terrible, like got laughed both nights. Um, And then honestly, man, what happened was it's crazy. But I think that the mental side of the world of outlaws is so unique because after that I struggled for a few weeks. Like we went to um, down North Carolina and ran those May races at Charlotte and I was terrible, which I'm usually really good at Charlotte and and it just followed me for a few weeks. And my confidence was so down in the dirt, you know. And I think that's when you see Donnie Schatz and Brad Sweet prevail. Like, they never have bad nights. They never have those bad swings. They're always right there. Their bad nights are a seventh or a fifth. And, man, like, you, you don't understand how hard that is to do for nights. 90 races until you're out there running all those different tracks. When you're in your comfort zone in California, for me or Eldora or some of these places, I, I man, I think I can be as good as anyone. But you know, it's it's putting the whole year together is what is so challenging and what makes Donnie Shots and Brad and and all these guys so amazing at what they do.
2: So you've got two years of experience of that now. You're going back to JJR, a team you you've run with in the past. But how confident and excited are you about? this new adventure and this new endeavor and, and kind of going back on the road with them.
0: Man, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I I can't say enough how thankful I am to be a part of such a, a well put together organization again. Um, you know, obviously what I had at KLR was amazing. And then to be able to go back to JJR, a team where I've ran already and had success, success with, um, obviously I think Philip Dietz is, I mean, he was crew chief of the year this, this past year with the outlaws. He just got, Uh, he's, he's an amazing mechanic. Uh, I just think this is a mechanic sport. And I think that uh, I think Phil's one of the best. I think that he puts together a really good race team and he runs a great organization. So I'm really, really excited. Like I said, thankful um, that everything worked out. You know, I was, I'll be honest, you know, when Kyle decided he was going to shut the team down, I was pretty nervous. You know, I didn't know where I was going to land. Obviously that you always have that in the back of your mind, man, am I gonna get another World of Outlaw ride out here? Like, there, you know, everybody knows it's no secret that there's not a million of them sitting there, you know, waiting for uh, for drivers. There's limited seats, and yeah, I'm just thankful to be able to be in a really good one. So, I feel like JJR has um, a lot of, or has had in the past couple of years with David, a lot of success at a lot of the places that I don't do as well. At. Um, you know, they're really good at the Grove. Their, their race car seems to be really good at the Grove. Um, they seem to be really good at Lernerville. All these PA racetracks, um, you know, they they seem to perform really well on big tracks when you have to, quali- you know, I, I mean, their qualifying program, mm-hmm. something that for whatever reason we, you know, we're a little bit on and off with. Um, at the you know at, at KLR for whatever reason we could never consistently qualify really good I don't know why that is I don't know if that's me or 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 what the you know but it seems like uh, you know JJR just been around on the outlaw tour for a long time now I think they've been on the road for at least five years I'd say uh, so I think Phil's been able to fine tune that package and has seems like he has a really good qualifying package um, and you know they just seem to perform well at parts of the country where I've maybe struggled a little bit at. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, I think that, you know, a place where Phil feels like their program, um, you know, they've maybe not been their strongest is places like California. Um, So, you know, obviously I paid really close attention to what myself and Joe did on the two car. And I hope that I can help them in that area as well. You know, so I think, uh, I think that it's a really good, I think that's going to be a really good relationship and I'm, I'm really excited, man. I'm, I can't say enough how excited I am for next year.
1: Yeah, they shattered the track record at Eldora this year, an 18-year track record with Gravel. Um, Also, they have a very good Knoxville package. They've won two Knoxville Nationals. Um, You guys actually actually ran second in the 360 Nationals with JJR, and then a couple weeks later ran fourth in the Knoxville Nationals with them. So you know that going to Knoxville this year, you got a great shot to win that thing.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, with the two car, we've been able to be really pretty successful there as well. Um, so, you know, I feel really confident in Knoxville too. Um, you know, every time we've gone there, I feel like we've had a lot of speed. We were, you know, we ran fourth at that big show that they had there this year. And I think one of the nights we went 24th to fourth, like I feel like I've always had a lot of speed there. And I know that the JJR car is extremely good there. Um, you know, I, I felt super comfortable in it the last time I was there. So yeah, I mean, uh, I can't, like I said, I'm I'm really excited. I think Phil is uh, very, very thorough. I think he's really good at his job. Um, I think there's a reason why his car is always so fast. And I think he puts in a lot of extra effort. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited to hopefully, you know, do the same for him.
1: Are you going to be at the Chili Bowl? Uh,
0: so, you know, I-, I love going to Australia every year. Um, I love it, man. Like, it's my favorite time of the year. Sean and Felicity Dyson. Uh, that you know family that I drive for over there and they've become like family to me Um, very very close with them and their and their you know children uh, you know Peyton and and Cruz and I I wish I could go over there this year and race but uh, man it's not looking it's not looking too hot with just all the travel you know bands that are going on and it's really hard to get um, you know all the all your paperwork to go over there just with everything that's going on with coronavirus and all that stuff it's it's gonna be tough so it's uh we're working on that but um yeah if if that doesn't happen which it doesn't look very good right now uh i i will it sounds like i will be there uh, at the chili bowl in the tarleton midget so that's pretty exciting um you know it'd be cool to uh, i've never you know believe it or not never ran the chili bowl so oh, that's right it'd be cool It'd be cool to run it, um, you know, one time. And especially in Charleston's in car, they have, you know, really first class equipment. Uh, they bought really good stuff in the midget for their midget program. So it'd be cool to take it there.
1: Yeah, you just won $2,100 the other day and you're a good midget driver. So I didn't know that. I didn't know you never ran the Chili Bowl. You must be always been in Australia.
0: Yeah. So I ran for Keith in 2016. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year that year, so, you know, I went to Keith's. Really, a lot of people go to Keith Coons because they want to be a NASCAR driver, but I went there because I was from California, and and to be honest, at the end of 2015, I won the King of the West Championship here in California, and I begged Tarleton's to go take their stuff out to the Midwest, and they, they weren't really interested in that, so, um, you know, they ended up paying for me to go run for Keith for a year as kind of like my, you know, yeah, we won't bring our stuff out, but we'll how about, you know, we do this for you, I think, type deal. And um, you know, it gave me an avenue to start racing sprint cars. I people, it was it was crazy. I tell this to everyone, but people would literally just put me in their sprint cars. You know, I'd call car owners and say, hey, you know, can I come run for you? I, you know, I run a a part-time midget schedule for Keith Coons. And, you know, I'd try to fill my schedule in with with sprint car races and they would put me in just cause I was driving for Keith, like <laughs> just cause of what Kyle and, and Christopher did, I guess, but yeah, it, it opened so many doors for me. And at the end of that year, you know, when I knew I wasn't going to go back to KKM, um, I just, I wanted to start, you know, going on that path to the whole time I was running midgets, I was running sprint cars cause I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I wanted to start going on that path to be a full-time wing sprint car driver again. <clears throat> and so, it was just a way better opportunity for me to go to Australia and run wing sprint cars all off season. And I was going to have to go there, fly back, run Chili bowl and then fly back again. And they had some really big races in Australia that I would rather ran. So we just talked to Keith and he was really cool about it and understood. I was supposed to run that year and um, yeah, he didn't have any problem with it. So I ended up just staying in Australia. And then yeah, I've been in Australia every year since and just love being over there and would I guess rather be running wing sprint cars, but you know, if I can't, well, then, uh, you know, I'd love to be there.
2: Yeah. Chili bowl's a good alternative. I guess yeah. if you can if you can't <laughs> yeah, go yeah. over there and do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's good to talk to you. Good luck next year. I know that, uh, you pretty much landed in a just as good a spot with the outlaws next year. So it should be fun to watch.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on guys. And, uh, yeah, I'm guessing, Dylan, I, I'm guessing you're going to be running some of these midget races out west as well. I seen your uh, car in Bundy's trailer the other day, so I'm <laughs> pretty excited.
2: Yeah, we're uh, we're not running Arizona either, but I'll be at Bakersfield and then uh, Merced, too, so we'll see you out there.
0: Cool, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.
2: Thanks, All
0: right, buddy.
1: Thanks. All right. Take it easy. See ya. see ya. Carson Macedo, everyone. Fantastic interview there, Dylan. It's going to be fun to see him go with Jason Johnson racing. Philip Dietz actually has taken on a part owner role Uh, and he's actually going to manage the majority of the team Bobby Johnson's going to manage the merchandise side of the team while Dietz is going to take care of the sponsorship relations you know the talent acquisition which of course they already have a talent in Carson Macedo um, and and taking care of the race cars and and of course he mentioned that he's the crew chief of the year so good pairing Uh, like I said you know they were good at Knoxville they were good the six races or eight races they ran together and they're going to get back to it
2: yeah I I like what he said too about you know them kind of Uh, you know playing to each other's strengths and and weaknesses you know Carson's better at places where they've struggled and and vice versa the car has been better at places he's struggled so I think that'll be good for both of them you know to to hopefully improve the program just driver and team as a whole Um, but yeah like you said I mean he you know they they've raced together in the past uh, under you know bad circumstances with the passing of Jason Johnson but uh, you know much more of a happy happy pairing this time around and uh, it, you know, looks like it should be all, uh, you know, all good things moving forward. You know, everything on paper seems like it should be a good match and, um, you know, glad that, glad that Carson's found a, you know, another home. He's, you know, good part of the outlaw tour and, you know, a nice young, young talent that, uh, hopefully is around for a long time.
1: So Dylan Welch continues to build his <laughs> resume, uh, going out to Bakersfield. Of course, you know, he's made a Chili Bowl, a main, he was once by away last year, Made the BC 39. You made the Give Back Classic feature. I mean, what else? What what else is at the top of your resume here? Um, well, you got a new track record at uh, Kokomo. Yeah, is that towards the top,
2: or is yeah, it, do you like that's at the top? Do you yeah. like more racing related? No, stuff? No, that's definitely. More, I haven't had that many racing accomplishments to <laughs> choose my my. That's what I'm saying. You're still order. building
1: your resume. It's yeah. a light resume, but you're it still is. building
2: it. No, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm just thankful to you know go out and have another chance to race. You know, it's. Um, you know, two, going to be two new tracks for me. I haven't been to either of those places. So, um, you know, just excited to, to go out there and, and, um, you know, be part of Tucker boat motorsports again and, and have a shot to, to go out there and get some more laps and more experience. And, uh, like we talked about kind of, you know, fine tune ourselves for, for Tulsa.
1: If you're listening to this, listen to me right now, seriously, why do you not have a flow racing subscription? Like we just acquired the chili bowl, the Tulsa shootout, the ASCS tour, uh, we have the All-Stars, sack. Like, what are you doing? Are you a race fan? Like, come on. 150 bucks a year. Get it for Christmas from your wife, your significant other, or your dad, or your mom, or whatever. And watch some of the best racing. This winter is going to be phenomenal on Flow Racing with the Tulsa Shootout and the Chili Bowl Nationals. we got some Nationals. Stuff on Western
2: Springs, too. And,
1: don't and, and Western Springs yeah. is back uh, on Flow. And there's some other more exciting things coming into the works as well for this winter. But seriously, come on! If you're listening to this, do don't do it for us. Like to watch the podcast. Which, if you want to see my fat ass, you can. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Dylan, you know, over here, long, long and handsome, <laughs> uh, long, long, lengthy and handsome, or whatever, whatever they say. Uh, if you want to watch us, you can. But just seriously, like. The Chili Bowl Midget Nationals should be the reason why you get a subscription, in my opinion. Yeah, if you don't have it already, that should be enough
2: to push you over the edge.
1: All right, thanks for joining us this week. This has been Episode 10. Thanks to Carson Macedo for coming on the show. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast
2: on Flow Racing.